When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, listeners. Uh, this is a, going to be a irregular but slightly different podcast that we're going to produce, uh, Mike and I will, <clears throat> and it comes from a listener suggestion. Uh, actually, I think a couple of months ago, uh, received an email from John who said that, uh, you know, uh, sometimes uh, it'd be interesting to hear about some of the differences between the way things are done in Germany and the United States. And, uh, you know, Mike and I thought about that a little bit, and we actually introduced an episode that sort of tried that out. It was episode number 39, uh, and I think it was called uh, Trying Something Different, where Mike and I sort of talked about uh, current events, uh, various different ways governments do things in the two different countries, just the cultural things, etc. And uh, we got a pretty good reaction to that. Uh, it's one of our more highly listened to episodes. So we thought we would continue that, and uh, so we will record uh, various different uh, things that Mike and I talk about. And this really is uh, turning on the record button before we typically do. So, you know, Mike being in Germany, and I'm here in the United States, um, when we first get on to our call with each other, uh, we chit-chat for 10, 15, 20 minutes or so. Uh, and then we dive into the episode, and that's when we hit the record button. So, so now what we're going to do is hit the record button as soon as we connect with each other. And uh, if there's something good in there, uh, we'll release it as an episode. And you can hear it uh, in your podcast if you'd like to listen to it. Uh, and if you don't want to listen to it, that's fine because they will be labeled separately. Uh, we're not going to start another podcast series uh, because we already do two of them, uh, entrepreneurship and the sailing one. So these episodes will just be uh, part of the normal series of entrepreneurship uh, and the uh, sailing episodes, uh, and they'll be interspersed uh, as separate episodes within those shows. So hope you enjoy them. Let us know what you think. Uh, we always appreciate feedback uh, from all of you. Uh, and uh, if you don't like these, then you can easy to easily skip them. Uh, because they will be separate episodes. So thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy uh, this one of uh, hopefully a handful or so of these that we will do. Hello, Michael. You hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Excellent. Very nice background there. Yeah, warm and cozy. Yes, it looks nice. Uh, perfect for the winter. Yeah, it's gray and kind of cold and drizzly here. Uh, background looks like a bit of an upgrade for you, based on uh, previous ones I've seen. You're trying to be positive, you know. <laughs> yeah. So how are you? It's been a while. Yeah, made it back in one piece. So, you know, you uh, crazy Americans, you know. 
Yeah, boy, ain't that the truth. Yeah, so I figure we are lucky to get in and get out and not have any flights canceled and not get sick and um, not get any fist fights or gunshots or anything like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, good. So the trip was fine, uneventful, and the visit with the family was, was fine? Yeah, I think I told you we canceled everything except for just going to see Sandy's mom. Um, oh, okay. And so that kept it, kept it way simpler. Um, and we we changed. We just told our friends that we were going to meet that if you want to meet us. Um, so I bought a doctor's bag and two uh, big Yeti thermoses. Uh-huh. And, um, and I filled one with coffee and one with hot chocolate and brought some booze and some cups. And I said, look, the bar's open, right? We'll go for an outside walk. I'll bring hot beverages, right? But we'll go for a little hike and we'll hang out. And uh, one set of friends were like, oh, it's too cold. And the other, uh, we, we met three other uh, friends uh, and family kind of that way and went for yeah. nice hikes at different places. And um, and so that was great. You know, it was safe and it was fun. And all three were like, oh, I wasn't sure about this. You know, because here in Germany, this is what we do, right? We yeah. go outside, yeah. we drink hot beverages. You know what I mean, right? Um, I was going to say, it's very this, continental sounding. <laughs> it, yeah. And I'm like, just trust me on this. It'll be great because this is what we've done with our friends here. You know, even in the winter, we meet them and go for a hike somewhere interesting. And it doesn't have to be, you know, a long hike or even particularly right. scenic, but you can talk and keep a little distance and be outside and it's way safer. Yeah. Um, so they were like, wow, we'll do this with our friends. I'm like, yeah, here's what I ordered. You know what I mean? Right. It all fit in this bag. Right. And it's like the, 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 you know, the drink doctor is in, you know, and, and the bar's open and some people drank and some people didn't and it's fine. Right. But, you know, you just pour a little shot of whatever in if you yeah. want in your hot cocoa and it's great, you know. So that was fun. Very nice. Very nice. Well, I'm glad to hear it. And uh, how, are yeah. th- how are things there in Germany? So, you know, you've heard me say for two years now that, oh, you know, good, bad or indifferent, but Munster has always been better than average, right? We've always been in a little bubble. Um, and then in the last three weeks, we came back to Munster had gone through the roof higher numbers than uh, than the rest of the country. Um, and there's, you know, we read the local paper and nobody's quite sure. There's no one reason why, but just people let their guard down and traveled over the holiday and our, our numbers spiked. Um, so, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, so we... We stayed. Well, Sandy had a dentist appointment today. She tested this morning. We tested. We had a test the day before the day we left. So we tested on Sunday um, there and flew out Sunday night. Um, we did a home test Tuesday or Wednesday. They said the Omicron's like a three-day incubation. Yeah. Negative. Sandy tested today before she uh, went. Tested. Ne- we brought a big bag of tests. I think I told you I bought like a hundred tests. Right. Yeah. So we were handing <laughs> yeah. out like candies and you know, oh, a test, right? Because I guess you're. It's not so easy to find them uh, there. So I was the uh, the test elf giving like yeah, test before you know like so Sandy's relatives before they came over they yeah. gave them all tests yeah. to take and um and yeah so so and then we'll go. We have appointments tomorrow. And then that will be five days. And so we didn't have to quarantine, but we kind of been really careful because we didn't, we weren't sure. And it's bad here and there. So we're, we've just been, I've just, I went to the grocery store and that was it. And I was super careful yeah. with my mask and everything. Yeah. But, but everybody wears a mask here. Bela, it's, it's unbelievable. Everybody gives you distance. Everybody wears a mask. Nobody's got their mask over their nose. Everybody's got a, you know, a, a good mask, right? Not a yeah. shitty one. Um, so it's just a whole different ball game here. And yeah. And that's that makes a big difference. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, what about you? As as we record this on January 7th, uh, we had a little COVID scare. So we had, um, let's say, the Tuesday after Christmas. So that's uh, 28th. On January 28th, we had a little get-together at our house with uh, uh, our son Jason and his wife and the two kids. And then Elaine's sister and her two daughters and her husband. And the day later, or day and a half later, uh, Elaine's sister calls us and says, I just tested positive for COVID. Oh, dear. So that threw us into a tizzy because we were supposed to leave in a, in a few days to go down and see our granddaughter, who's not vaccinated, right? So uh, we called up uh, Andy, who's our son, and talked to him and his wife and they're both ER docs and they said nope you guys are not coming (laughs) so we respect that right and even though and we went and tested uh and we had a PCR test excuse me we had the rapid test and it was like three days after or something Mm -hmm. and Andy said you know that test has a lot of false negatives and Mm -hmm. he said it's really in day five where that test really starts to give you accurate data because it really takes a five days of incubation before that test kind of kicks in. Yep. And the levels are high enough in your bloodstream to accurately predict it. it. That it can find them. Exactly. So we, we canceled that trip out there and then um, we've had no symptoms. And yesterday we had a PCR test, which is Mm -hmm. like, you know, eight, nine days post exposure. And we haven't gotten the results yet. Uh, but we had that yesterday at 11, still waiting to hear on the results. But my guess is everything's negative. But of course, you know, it, it sort of gives you a little pause. And we've been laying low. We've ordered groceries online. <laughs> we haven't gone anywhere. So um, that I think that was the first time we sort of had a, a known exposure. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the sad thing of it was, was, you know, we didn't get to go see our granddaughter, which we were really lo- looking forward to. So. That was the only only bad thing that happened out of it, but that's okay. Yeah. But yeah, tests here safe are than sorry. Yeah, tests here are really in, in short supply. It just seems like uh, with with an Omicron, everyone's want, wants to get a test, and and uh, you know we got caught with not enough tests, and um, so there's long lines for that. Uh, we have, I have, I think not as many as you, <laughs> we have, I think, uh, six, uh, rapid tests at home. We haven't burned one yet because we've been able to get appointments for tests. Um, uh, it hasn't Great. been that That's bad. That's better. Yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're saving those in case of, you know, we, we need to do something quick, but so we've been able to get appointments, maybe not that day. We haven't been able to get appointment, right? I can't call up at 10 in the morning and expect to get an appointment at three in the afternoon, but a day or two out and get an appointment. Uh, so yeah, but the numbers here are huge. Uh, the infection numbers are huge. The hospitalizations haven't really spiked, uh, all that bad, certainly not as bad as the original COVID. Um, and they just approved some, uh, some pills, some therapeutic treatment. So that if you take these pills, uh, uh, regiment of uh, I don't know how many doses or whatever. I think there's two of them have been improved now by the FDA. Supposedly, it it uh, it's not a prevention. It's a once you get infected, 
if you take it early in your infection cycle, uh, it sort of basically eliminates hospitalizations. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, haven't heard much about use of that. And interestingly enough, from the data that I've been able to garner, and, and I don't know why they, they don't share this data very much, uh, somewhere between 30 to 40% of the people in the hospital are vaxxed. Right, so it it's a huge, it's a bigger number than one would expect, right? Being vaccinated, so so clearly the the, the vaccine helps, and I'm not suggesting at all that it doesn't. I think it's a good thing. I'm vaxxed, I'm boosted, I believe in it. Um, but I was surprised at how big that number was. That you know, thirty to forty percent. It's in that range of people in the hospital are actually vaxxed. Uh, and the good news is with the Omicron, people are not getting that sick. There's not that many people in the ICU. Uh, there's, the, the deaths are, are way down, you know, for the number of infections we have. So yeah. I think it's all heading in the right direction. Yeah. And, you know, remember, too, that with uh, the number that 30 percent or 40 percent, 60 or 60 percent are vaccinated. That's right. Right. That's right. So it's you know what I mean? Right. That actually makes it. It, it, it still sounds like it's a lot, but because more people are vaccinated than not vaccinated, that number is Skewed. actually a sign right. that being vaccinated helps. And it's right. It's not a perfect solution, but it's definitely um, reduces your chance of right of um, of of being of being hospitalized. So, yeah, you know, a lot of it's just people people need to understand a little bit of statistics. It really makes me even want to scream louder that everybody should have statistics yeah. class right, right in school. And if you do, because to understand epidemics, you must understand statistics, right? right? To understand what these data means and be a good consumer of the information that's out there. Because yeah. everybody use you and I have talked about this before in a very different context that we can we can get statistics to say whatever we want, right? Same data, you can say anything you want, and you have to be you have to understand um, the principles of statistics to be able to see through sometimes these these efforts to manipulate the data to for one side or the other to make a point. That's right. Um, that's right. No, that's a, that's a, a, the, the data is nuanced, right? Yep. When when 70% or 60% of the population is vaccinated, you expect <laughs> that's going to skew the the data. So Right. Right, because if it was equal, then 60% of the people, if 60% are right. vaccinated and if it didn't matter, 60% of the people would be would be the hospitalization rate would be 60%. And if it's only 30%, well, then you're right. It's half, you know, it's twice as good, right? right? It's not being vaccinated, but you got to understand that to, you know what I mean? Right. To make sense of the data. Yeah. And nobody on TV that I know, most people don't give it enough time to explain it. So clearly they just go for the soundbite. And again, that's a favorite topic that you and I have talked about, right? (laughs) The soundbite just doesn't do the data justice. Uh, It doesn't, it does very little justice is the conclusion I've coming to. Mm-hmm. Right? It hurts more than it helps. Yeah. Be- On either side. Again, right. Regardless of which side is doing the sound bites. You right. Know, because I really you can try to be neutral. In yeah. Because you can cherry pick your sound bite. Right. And, 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 you know, yesterday uh, the president gave a speech here, uh, sort of camera, cam- uh, remembering the January 6th uh, riots on, on the white, on the Capitol. And, Depending upon which network you listen to, you got totally different impressions of that speech because they use different sound bites from the speech. Right? Yep. I mean, it's like 180 degrees opposite. <laughs> it was, yep. It's just remarkable 
How? And, yep. And this is the scourge of social media because since your feed picks up one or the other, depending on your preferences, right? That's we right. have these two different versions of the news. And That's it's right. the worst thing that could ever happen That's right. to, to the American people. That's right. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting you say that because I have in my in my news feed, there's sort of the raw, I call it the raw news feed, which I think is probably based on what other people, how popular those things are. Mm-hmm. It's not based on any of my preferences, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's preference. My preferences are stripped out of it. And then it has, you know, news for you, which mm-hmm. is, which is based upon what I click on. And it's amazing how different that is. And the stories there don't show up at all on the other one, right? Because I click on things yep. about sailing. I click on things about fishing and <laughs> other things, yep. skiing and other things I'm interested in. Um, so it really is. You're, you're absolutely right, man. If the only thing I, I would look at was my, my personal news feed, it's skewed really bad. Yeah, and I think everybody's is. And that's the worst thing. Right. The worst thing that you could possibly do. Yeah. And that's how the U.S. has gotten and lots of parts of the world has gotten gotten into such a mess. Yeah. Have, have they started to, you know, make noise about regulating these social media things over there in Germany? Much more so than in the U.S. Yes. I mean, I don't know how much they're, they're working on it, but um, the EU typically uh, tends to be so, you know, we can talk about regulation and we'll talk about regulation a little later. And when we when we do the. The podcast, yes. But, you know, regulation is an interesting question, and you know, in the U.S., you have um, an unlimited amount of political donations and lobbying that can be done by companies, um, and obviously, their goal is to tilt the re- reduce or tilt the regulations in their favor so that their shareholders benefit, so that they're more profitable, without taking into account the needs of the rest of the society. If you've taken an economics class, negative externalities, right? For kind of the lay person, that's just when, um, you know, bad stuff happens that the person that does it doesn't pay for, right? So if your car pollutes the air, people get sick from that, but you're not paying for that in the price of the gasoline or the price of the car, right? Right. Or the, um, or the, um, you know, anything along those lines, even when it's, um, buying, uh, this is where the idea of, uh, a tax on sugar, right? So when you buy a, co- a large Coca-Cola with sugar in it, that has negative health benefits that society has to pay for, but that's not reflected in the cost, right? This is why regulations exist to correct for these market failures. And we could argue left, right, and center about right about whether these are good or bad. But in Europe, we don't well in Germany and in France and in lots of other, not, not all the parts, but there is much more constraints on um, on corporate lobbying and corporate donations to politicians. Therefore, the politicians more see their role as balancing. They all want to support a healthy economy, right? It's a capitalist, you know what I mean, right? Model um, at heart. And and businesses should make up a, a profit and they should return um, a reward for the risk that their shareholders take. This is all, this is not socialism, right? It's It's right. all capitalism. But they view capitalism here as, you know, you balance out corporate profits with the community, with the individuals, rich and poor, um, and what's best for most. And therefore, um, we see more regulation here and we see a, um, a heavier hand, I think, um, on how the government kind of treats um, um, these 
these types of situations. So they tend to get more involved in regulation and you have yeah. more rules and they, they, they don't support corporations so much, right? And they more are designed to protect consumers, especially people that don't have power. Um, and, and that's and, and kind of that's the way it works here. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So money does skew everything. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't need to. That's the interesting thing. Right. And, yeah. and you have and you have I think we've talked about this in the past in Germany, you have more than two parties. Right. So there's mm-hmm. three or so parties that are there's three in power and then there's four or five, six, seven. There's some really small ones. But the major parties, there's a left center and a right center. Those are the two biggest ones. And the right center was in power and they're now out of power. They're in the minority. Um, and then we have the Green Party is the third biggest party uh, now. That's come on strong. There's the Free Democratic Party, which is kind of the pro-business. They're the third member of the coalition. There's the AFD. The, that's the hard right. Um, they're not. They don't have much power uh, in the in the in the in the parliament in the the, the parliament. Um, and there's I think four, five, six, seven other parties, smaller parties. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a multi-party system and. It yeah. works. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's another thing that's <clears throat> that's causing some challenges for us here in the United States is that we have a two-party system, and you're either on one team or you're on the other. Yeah, and, and, and it, no compromise. No compromise, and it's all about the, what's good for the team. We we have lost sight of what's good for the country and what's good for the citizens and the people of this country, and it's gotten to be down. What do we need to do so we can win the next election? Yep. Uh, and there's too much focus on that, and unfortunately, not enough focus on on what's the right things to do for the country and the people in this country and the people of the world, right? Yep. Uh, and, and so it's about how the politicians can stay in power because they get rich in the U.S. Yeah, they don't. Politicians don't get rich; it's service here. Yeah, you know, it's like it used to be in the U.S. Yeah, it's it's amazing to me that if you look at if if you look at uh, People who've been in Congress for more than two or three terms, they're all multimillionaires. Right. It's so, a huge problem. So like, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah. And, and many, many of them brag about their humble upbringings, <laughs> you know, how they come from poor roots. I say, OK, <laughs> and you've been in public service your whole career. <laughs> how, how did you get rich? How did that happen? Yep. And there's if anybody chooses to look, it's because. These lobbying organizations pay them a lot of money, right? right? Um, that they can use almost any way they want, and then they give them the legislation that reduces the regulation or tilts the regulation in their favor. And Facebook is a huge donator, right? Um, social media, Twitter, sure. right? These organizations right. they donate money, and they really have a strong influence because, of course, the politicians want those donations, right? Right. right. And here. There isn't that same motivation because they can't donate money and they can't give the gifts and they can't pay for trips and they can't uh, give jobs to relatives. Um, these have when they've been these have been uncovered. They've been big scandals and the politicians have been forced to resign. Um, and and so there's a huge disincentive for the polit- politicians to accept these things and therefore they're not beholden to them. And they yeah. look try to look analytically at, OK, we want these companies. We want a strong digital economy. This is really important. We want um, our citizens to have access to lots of different information. But when they see data, and there's plenty of data on this, that 
um, that Facebook and Twitter are bad for democracy and they're bad for public discourse and they're harmful to kids, um, then this is where the regulators step in and say, wait a minute, yeah. right? Um, you're not doing enough. So they they give them penalties or fines. Um, I don't think the EU has been even strong enough so far, but I think that's going to happen. We'll see this in the next couple of years and the EU will regulate first and then the U.S. will follow. That's usually the model. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have term limits over there? Um, it varies, but typically, yes. Um, typically, typically there's, there's term limits on, on local politicians. Um, but, but it varies kind of level by level. Yeah. Yeah. Country by country. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, cool. That was a good conversation. Should we get into yeah. the podcast? Sure. One more. I just want to make one more comment. Oh yeah. Sure. For you. Please. Um, which is interesting. So I just pulled up my local test center, which is literally um, less than a five-minute walk from my apartment, from my front door. Uh, I just go around the corner. And uh, um, so I can get you an appointment in uh, in 25 minutes. There's four spots available at quarter past. Wow. Right? Wow. Um, I can get you uh, – there's six spots at 20 past. There's four spots at 25 after. There's only one spot left at half past. But in the next hour – um, there's about 40 appointments available just at the one test center around the corner. Wow. And if you're a German resident like I am, it's free. And and are the test center who runs these test centers? Um, so this is pretty cool. So again, you know, we talk about um, the role of government, right? Um, and in this case, these are all done by the private sector, but the government reimburses the cost. The governments and the insurers, I think there's a formula um, but everybody has health insurance. So the um, you, you you give your ID. And of course, people say, oh, I don't want to have an ID. We all have an ID that identifies us. And it's tied to our our, our health insurance is right included right. in that information so that if we're sick, um, everything is there available for the emergency people. Um, and uh, we have lots of protections on that. So uh, Germans are very big into data security and privacy. Um, but we find a balance so that yeah, we show our ID, the insurers pay for part of it, and the government pays for the rest so that there's no disincentive for anybody to get tested. Yeah, um, yeah. Here, the, the testing sites are, are a hodgepodge of hospitals, you know, private private organizations, basically, uh, the the local government organizations, the state organization, it, it, and, it's, and, 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 you know, pharmacies, again, which is private. So it's just this hodgepodge. And, and each one of them has their own website. You have to go to each website of each of their own websites to try to find an appointment. It's, it's a challenge. And, and, you know, I think about how to solve this. Yeah. And and, absolutely. And, and I think about, you know, people who don't have internet access or people who, you know, are like my mom, right. Or, you know, older people who, who are not savvy with those types of things, they're screwed. Right. Yep. And uh, so it's just, uh, and you know, you look into the big cities and there they have, you know, vans on the side of the road that are doing testing because their demand is so high. And, and you know, that they've done a reasonable job in responding to those things. But it seems like we really got caught with our pants down uh, in this country with this notion of testing here, particularly around the holidays. We had the surge going on and we kept getting, you know, the messaging was get tested before you go get together for the holidays, get tested. So people went and got tested and it just broke the system. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, but we know how to do web integration. You know, there should be one app, and there should be we do, we we do all these bots. You know, if you call your cable company, you're talking to a freaking computer. It's really easy to apply this technology for older people. So you call an 800 number, right, and and you get connected, and the bot makes the appointment for you, right? No problem. Uh, yeah, I don't I, know why we don't do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's well, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. But interesting comparison in the two systems. Yeah. You know? And yeah. granted, the U.S. is a much bigger um, population and the population is more concentrated here in urban areas. So it's easier to do things like this. So, you know, I say this not like, oh, we're better than you, but it's two different situations. And I, I always like to be respectful and understand the differences. But it's super easy here in Munster where I sit to yeah. be able to in a half an hour go get a test and have the results in, in 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that about the urban areas because it appears that here the big problems are in the large urban centers. Interesting. That's where the testing lines are really long and people are waiting, you know, hours and hours and hours in line. It's not up where I live and, you know, I can't get a test like you, you know, in the next half hour, but probably, probably in another two weeks I will be able to. Just because demand's going to go down and stuff. So yeah, the, it seems like the challenges are in the big urban centers here, and not in yeah. the rural parts of the of the country. Yeah, and the, the supply chain and the and the staffing issues that are plaguing lots of different industries and lots of different countries all over the world are, are partially with this too, right? I think that there's some shortages of the actual tests. Um, certainly getting people to work in these centers is a challenge. Yep. Um, so, you know, I, I don't want to be so quick to, to lay the blame on any one factor. Um, but there's certainly things that could make this easier. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, it's interesting the one of the big centers here, the, the national guard is, is, you know, doing the testing and stuff. So. Which to me is great if we have these people and we, you know, we can use them, you know, uh, you know, one or two days a week, uh, local people and call them up as part of the, the National Guard. This is an emergency. Right. And I get it. We can argue about this. Right. But I don't think that's an inappropriate use to help with a holiday surge. Right. I don't want to do it all the time. Right. right. That's not the right use. But um, as long as we have enough material and, and places, if we if staffing's the issue, that's a great time when there's a surge to 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 use the National Guard. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, that's what they're for. I think that's right. one one of the one I of think. the things they're for. Right? One of the things. Now right. I'll tell you the interesting thing that I never thought about that my son, the ER doc, pointed out. Uh, so when the National Guard calls up a bunch of people to administer tests, or they have sent National Guard healthcare workers into hospitals that have been overwhelmed. Well, who do you think those National Guard healthcare physicians and nurses are? Right. They work at other hospitals. They work at other right. hospitals. Right. <laughs> so, right. so, you know, you take them from, you, okay, because they get called up for duty. That's part of the deal, right? They yeah. got to go do their duty and they get shipped off someplace else. And now the hospital they work at is really put on put under yeah, strain. You're, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. But again, you know, we have smart staffing situations, right? The, the uh, uh, solutions. Companies companies that employ lots of workers have ways to move people around. And, you know, we should be moving doctors and nurses around, you know, to handle these things, but do it in a way where they have advance notice and where they're paid for their issues and we provide them with transportation, right? I mean, it's it, it, there's definitely a problem where some regions are hit harder than others. Sure. And then they return the favor. You know, we know it's, we've seen these waves and you can almost predict, right? It's like, okay, this is quiet now, but this is bad now. So let's ship a hundred people over here for now and pay for it and right. Make it easy right. for them. 
and give them extra pay because they're away from home and all these things, right? And then when the wave shifts the other way, guess what? These people come back and the people who are here now because the wave has passed there, they move here. And we might need to go to this model if this is an endemic, right? We're going to deal with these waves in the future. We need to think about smarter staffing models, right? Right, right. And one of the one of the interesting parts of that is given our healthcare system is made up of thousands of independent diverse little organizations whether it be you know doctors offices or hospitals most hospitals there's a few large hospital chains in this country but most of them are not large hospital chains uh, some of that's being consolidated so th- those things become a bit more of a challenge unless you put together a big database and you know all of a sudden you know who calls the shots etc whereas if you're working for humana uh, or uh, what's the big one in California? It's not Humana. Uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah, Humana out in California. There's a big uh, or Kaiser Permanente. Kaiser Permanente. Permanente you know, yeah. they have hundred hospitals or whatever, so they can move staff around if they if they need it. Um, but yeah, it's it is interesting how. Well, you know, maybe this is time to rethink the U.S. healthcare system too. <laughs> I mean, I would argue that that's long overdue, right? I I, I would um, agree again, with I you. Like, I like to open these can of worms for you, but. You know, it's it may be time that this really shows the weaknesses and the unequal distribution of resources and um, the staffing issues and the yep. pay disparities that face workers. And well, maybe it's I, I, I agree with you 100 percent. I'm a big proponent of sort of one healthcare system. And the this now our conversation has gone full circle because we go back to all the money that's involved with politicians <laughs> this yep. will not happen not for a while until we solve yep. the money problem well until and, right until we break solve the money get the money out of politics it, it's really I, I i don't know if there's any leaders that are capable of doing this but to me it's like okay we need constitutional amendments in all 50 states to, I think, for some of these things, but we don't need it for some things. And some of these things are multi-party system to have where there's not two parties, where there's multiple parties, term limits, as you said, yep. at least for the next 15 years, right? And um, getting the money out of, you know, can't, true campaign finance reform, getting money out of it and getting the lobbyists out of the picture. Um, and if you can do those three things, Right. I think all of a sudden um, you can go a long way towards solving some of the problems with health care and immigration um, and, and employment and education um, that are hard problems. But there's lots of models all over the world that work. Right. And, and I think it would it would get us to focus a little bit more on working together and working towards yep. solving the problems and challenges we have uh, as a nation and as a world, as opposed to, OK, which team are you on? <laughs> and and you're fighting yep. for the things that that team wants. So yep. anyway. and shifting to all about me to all about us. Yeah, you know, there's just been a the difference is really striking, Bela. I think between the U.S. and here that I've seen is that in the U.S. everybody's focused on what's best for them as an individual or a small family, right? And and I mean that's to some extent the case here, but there's a stronger. I think you hear more conversations. What's best for our community? Yeah. What's best for our country? Hmm. What's best for all the people who live here, rich and poor, old and young, right? Uh, you know, you know, one of the things that strikes me in the U.S. is old people. A lot of them, um, and I'm old too, right? But a lot of old people, well, I'm not. I don't want to pay for schools, all right? My kids have already gone through school, 
right? And it's like, that's the stupidest thing I could possibly imagine, right? That you want the your kids and your grandkids to live in a world where people are educated, right? right? Or I don't want to pay for other people's health care. And again, that's the stupidest thing in the world. If everybody can have preventative access to preventative health care, the costs for the system go way, way down. The data are clear, right? Same with education, same with, right? Um, these things are better when we deal with them as a community rather than as an individual. Um, and those things, I mean, again, the libertarian and you will agree, right? There's certain things that the government is better at providing. Absolutely. And there's certain things that where they shouldn't. And right. healthcare and 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 education are two areas where at least basics should be provided to everybody. It's way cheaper, right? And then you can add on these extras if you want, no problem. But um, but yeah, it's it's a no-brainer to me. People just have to open their eyes and yeah. listen and use their own brains to think about it. And we need a different system. I agree. Know? I agree. All right. Let's get on All with right. recording the podcast, eh? Yeah. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed that. Let us know what you think. We always like uh, hearing from our listeners. Take care and thanks again.